Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gradet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. My featured guests on this podcast are Sarah Kelly and Kat Morrissey from 18 Maple, a sports endurance training group that Sarah founded based in East Longmeadow. Sarah created 18 Maple to deliver endurance programming that caters to the individual in their unique needs, wants, and aspirations. Sarah has a master's degree in applied exercise science from Springfield College and is also the director of endurance coaching at the Continuum Performance Center, which is affiliated with 18 Maple. Sarah has completed a number of triathlons, including the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. Kat Morrissey is a running coach at 18 Maple, and you may have seen Kat pass you at a local race. Kat has been the first female finisher at a number of events. We cover a lot of good stuff in this podcast. We first discuss 18 Maple endurance training, and then talk about Kat's running accomplishments and training, followed by Sarah's accomplishments as a college field hockey player and coach, as well as her triathlon experiences. Both Sarah and Kat are impressive endurance athletes who have a passion to help others achieve their goals. Here's my conversation with Sarah and Kat, and stay tuned afterwards for a rundown of local running events. I'd like to now welcome Kat Morrissey and Sarah Kelly to the Let's Run podcast. Kat is a running coach at 18 Maple, a sports endurance training group based in East Longmeadow. I know Kat from her work when she used to work at Fleet Feet in Longmeadow, and I've seen Kat at a number of local races, including last month in Wilbraham at the Bay State NICU 10K, a race in which Kat was the first overall female finisher. Sarah Kelly founded 18 Maple, and she is the director of endurance coaching there, as well as a strength and conditioning coach and a seasoned triathlete. Sarah has a master's degree in applied exercise science from Springfield College. Sarah recently finished second in the White Mountains Half Ironman event. Kat and Sarah, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We'll start off by talking about 18 Maple, and then we'll talk to each one of you about your running and, and your activities. First of all, what's the significance of the name 18 Maple? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> So 18 Maple, it has dual meaning. It was the actual physical location of Continuum Performance Center, which is where I have my full-time job as a, as a director of endurance coaching, as you said. But it was, I think we just said it was like four years ago. It was, it was time to start kind of putting all of my endurance background knowledge into practice with all of the strength and conditioning work that I've done in the many years of coaching that I've have underneath my belt. And I wanted to pay tribute to the location that professionally and personally allowed me to almost kind of, you know, take flight a little bit and, and really begin to start moving in a direction that is, is really best suited for me with, with coaching and training and being able to merge all those worlds but additionally, I think the, the world of endurance training is, it can be a very selfish place to be at times. You know, we spend a lot of time out riding lots of miles, 
um, running lots of miles, um, you know, for, for Ironmans that I do for cats marathons. And while that is a selfish endeavor on our part, it cannot be done without friends and family and um, a really deep inner circle. And my family means the world to me. And growing up, my dad made maple syrup. So it's, it's one of those things where it just so happened we live on, we worked on 18 Maple Court until we moved a couple of years ago to a, a new location here at 175 Benton Drive. But for years and years and years uh, when I was young and even up until, man, I think I definitely was out of grad school at that point. My dad was still boiling away and, and collecting all of his own sap. And it is just a tribute to how important my family is to me. So did you grow up in Vermont? Close. I grew up in New Hampshire, right on the uh, right on the border. So right around the Dartmouth College area. But certainly maple syrup country, though. Oh, 100 percent. And if you think of eating anything other than real maple syrup, we're going to have words. <laughs> no, I love it. I've had many with cat already. I've been, I've been represented, so I learned to only have real maple syrup. Yes. Yeah. Actually, there was a farm in, in Southampton, um, primaries and, and they, I know in the spring they have these mm -hmm. pancake breakfasts and, and I uh -huh. think they have local maple syrup and it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, you can't beat it. You really can't. Just awesome. So how long has 18 maple been conducting endurance training? So, um, I started coaching about four years ago. I got, um, my Ironman coaching certification for almost five years ago now, and then launched the brand. So what was involved in that to get the Ironman certification? Yeah, it was a very intensive 90-day online course that was relatively self-paced, but you had 90 days to complete it. And then I literally felt like I was back in college again. I had been out for quite some time. So yes. <laughs> sitting in the corner at Shelburne Falls, just trying to do my online modules. It was great. And it, it, it really just kind of reaffirmed that while I have not done a, a lot of Ironmans, I have done a lot of training. I've done a lot of triathlon training. So it was really just taking all of that to the next step and, and literally to the next level of distance. And I had to take an online test and had to do a, um, a written exam as well and have to every two years recertify. So um, it, was, it was pretty extensive. And I know there's several other coaching certifications out there, but I felt like the longer distance was where I wanted to, to specialize. So um, later on in the podcast, I want to get more into your, your triathlons, but um, have, I, I know that you've completed Kona uh, triathlon. I, I think that's the ultimate Ironman, right? That is actually the ultimate Ironman. And um, oddly enough, that was my first Ironman, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was not how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> did, did you do Mont Tremblant before Kona or after? No, I, to make um, a kind of a long story short, I think the, the final year of Ironman allowing 70.3, so half Ironman distance races have qualifying spots to go to Kona. I had traveled with a group of friends to St. Croix in 2014 and did well enough to land myself a very special slot to an elusive slot. I mean, people train for years and years and years for this thing. And I um, somehow managed to, to grab a, a, a qualifying slot through a half Ironman. Well, that, that's awesome. I did my first Ironman in Hawaii at the Ironman World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, that's not how it's supposed to go, but I was incredibly grateful. And, um, you know, 
always wanted to try to find my way back there, which is where I was able to do it um, once again, fortunately, luckily, with a lot of hard work through the, the qualifier at Mount Tremblant. Yeah, because I have a, a, a friend who um, he, he qualified for Kona a couple of years ago, and uh, he, he had tried a few times, and I, I think it was the Mount Tremblant Ironman that enabled him to qualify for Kona. Yep, and- that's an amazing race, um, and it's unfortunate that they're not going to be able to host it this year, but it's very true to the type of riding that we have here in New England, and lots of hills, and just beautiful countryside to, to look at and mountains. So yeah, Hawaii. Sure. <laughs> and then there's Hawaii. Yeah. It's televised also, right? So it's a big, it event. Is, but you're not seeing me. I'm so far behind. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the relationship then between 18 Maple and continuum performance center? So continuum performance center, consider that just kind of like the umbrella um, company. And underneath that, I work as the director of endurance coaching, And also here as um, a performance coach. So I have a number of personal training clients that I have. I teach classes. I have a lot of my endurance athletes that I coach underneath the 18 Maple umbrella, which my boss and owner of Continuum Performance Center, really Jeff Sullivan did an amazing job of giving me the guidance and trust to create this brand and and backed it. And um, so it's kind of, dual branding, if you will. So we're almost like a sister company. And it's at the same location, right? Yep. So we're, we're pretty much virtual, but I can do in-person consultations. I really do prefer face-to-face. Zoom has made things a lot easier. No, everyone's Zoom literate I know. after the pandemic. Yeah, everybody's doing it. So that kind of allows us to expand the number of clients that we can reach out to. But I do a lot of my training in-house here at CPC with a lot of endurance athletes. So kind of breaking through that barrier of endurance athletes willing to come in here and pick up weights and, and move things that are heavy and kind of break that routine of moving in a, in a straight line all the time. That's kind of my specialty. So because 18 Maple, it sounds like you uh, interact with your athletes virtually. I do. Yep. Then it probably enabled you to survive the pandemic fairly well. From a standpoint of Continuum Performance Center, yes, we we were able to do the best that we could with our subscribers. As far as our athletes were concerned, we went into a bit of a lull. It was not something that we could forecast. People just didn't have races. And when you don't have races, and sometimes you may or may not have employment to, to spend that extra cash on a coach on a, for a monthly coaching fee. But... I do have some very loyal clients that reoccurred once the racing world began to start opening back up again. And I think everybody it was right around the beginning of the year, right? That yeah. things really started to explode or maybe yeah, even like- it was a little bit before then. Whenever the racing calendar started to open up, we really got flooded. So right now, I mean, we don't have a huge client load, but we do have the largest client load that we've had since starting. And Fortunately, Kat has been able to come on board and be able to cater to more of the the runner than the multi-sport athlete, which is those are the athletes that I'll take on. I belong to a gym and um, for a while during the pandemic, they were closed like most gyms. And when they opened, I think it was late last year, we had to wear masks. I don't know if you went through that phase. So we went through the mask phase. We went through all of it and kudos to my coworkers we found ways to 
to make it all work and to our subscribers who were so willing to come back in the building and trust that we were taking every single precaution that needed to be made and then some. So we're certainly not out of the water, the deep water that is, but we are doing well. We've had almost all of our subscribers return and we have a lot of new athletes that have come on board for 18 Maple. So while the pandemic didn't serve anybody well, I feel very fortunate and very lucky for who I work for, for who I work with, and for those people that I get an opportunity to coach and teach and train on a daily basis. Right. Well, you must be doing a great job to have maintained everything through the pandemic. Yeah, we were very very lucky. So what activities do you train athletes for? Pretty much anything endurance-based. Kat has a number of running clients. You have a a number that are kind of new to the marathon distance. You have Ironman, half Ironman, trail, you trail athletes. Uh, Yep, one doing a trail road marathon mix, a virtual Boston, a Boston. Two virtual Boston. And I have Kat, so Boston. I actually, I have two qualifying athletes for Boston that will be actually racing the course, which is fantastic. And I'm super psyched for them. Uh, I have two Ironman athletes. One will be competing in Chattanooga with me. And so I, I kind of coach myself. I always come last. And then, um, and I have one will be participating in Maryland in September and the Ironman there. I have a swim run athlete. That's kind of a, a new sport which has just kind of come on over the course of the last couple of years. I've done one. I've checked the box. I'm not sure I want to go back and do it again. <laughs> so could you describe that swim run? Is that a, a duathlon? Or? Well, kind of. You literally just swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, swim, run. So the particular event that I did with the guy that I spent a lot of time training with was in the Casco Bay Islands up off of Portland, Maine. So they ferry you out to one of the many islands that are out there and you literally run, jump in the water, swim to the next island, run on whatever designated course they have set up and jump in the water and swim. And Mm -hmm. we did the long course. So we ended up doing, I think it was almost five miles worth of swimming and about 20 miles worth of running, which you have to do with a partner. And you have to stay within six feet of one another. You do have to be tethered when you swim. So this really is a swimmer's event and I'm more of a runner and a biker. (laughs) So, um, do you wear wetsuits? You wear a, you do wear a wetsuit. It's, um, does it provide buoyancy more to keep you just warm? It fits more like shorts and it's got long sleeves, which you can choose to rip off, but it zips in the front as opposed to zipping in the back like you would a a typical triathlon wetsuit because you get hot when you're running on the uh, on land Um, and then you zip it back up and you do all the swim accessories. You have a pull buoy kind of lashed to your legs so you don't actually have to kick your legs just float. And then you use paddles. And I think our longest swim was almost a mile. It got to a point where I just, I could not see where we were swimming. So I had to, you just kind of stop in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you have to deal with waves? It, the water was relatively calm. We had a, almost like a perfect day for it. So if it were any other day, I'm sure there would have been waves. I think I've swam in, in choppier waters elsewhere, but I think just on base where the swims are located and from point to point to point, 
they do a pretty good job of helping you have a relatively easy swim, but then there's always currents and it depends on how slow you're going or fast you're moving and maybe you hit high tide or low tide. One swim turned into a run because there was absolutely no water. I was like, thank God, I'm so tired of swimming. <laughs> so swim run, I have Ironman and triathlon athletes and your, your longer distance runners. So we're looking at um, marathon distance as of right now. We haven't really ventured into the, the ultras, the ultra world. Right. That's not my wheelhouse. Doesn't mean that I can't learn it. But we did just have one of our youngest athletes to date. She just completed her first half marathon. It was the Yukon Health. Yukon Health Half. Yes. Yeah. So she's a she's a freshman in high school this year. So that was really awesome to um, to help work with her and and get her to the finish line on that. She did great. It was awesome. Yeah, the old Iron Horse Half Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Simsbury. Yep. Tell me about the Happy Hour Run series. Did you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We should bring it back, right? We should resurrect that. Yeah. Right. Why are we not having a happy hour beverage with you right now? So I know, right? Well, yeah. yeah, we're recording this podcast Friday at uh, 6 p.m. I know. I, I had to substitute TGIF uh, with uh, a Thirsty Thursday. So, <laughs> Honestly, we're not a, a club-based running program that, like there are, there, there are other local clubs in this area that have, you know, a really strong following but really just trying to want to get an opportunity to bring people together to just celebrate and have a beverage and go for a run. So we just picked a couple random, I think those were Thursdays back then we themed them out. What were a couple of themes that we did? Oh, we had flannel Friday. Oh, flannel Friday. Ugly sweater. Ugly sweater run. Ugly sweater was good. I have to do those in the winter though, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and back when we originally had launched 18 maple we had done a summer run series and uh we had every intention of launching that again this year it just time kind of got away from us <laughs> with all of our running and coaching and 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 work it's not that it's not going to come back it's just we it'll have, be back we have some big races we're trying to get people through <laughs> as well as ourselves well the fall race calendar is pretty busy quite a few uh, yeah, it marathons yeah. and a lot of spring marathons get postponed to the falls absolutely yeah so you talked about training triathletes and long distance runners. Would you say that the people who come to you are more advanced or beginners? Well, actually, everybody that we have right now has some level of experience. I can speak to the triathletes that have reached out and, and asked for coaching. They've done several. They just want to do it better and they want to have guidance. And maybe they did it through a book and they just kind of got um, you know, a generic plan while those are great, they don't have anybody helping you on the side to say, well, you're really tired here or life is going to throw you a curveball here. And what should I do? And I'm really not feeling all that great. Am I overtraining? So that's really where the watchful eyes of, of myself and Kat come into play. Like it's not rocket science to be able to put something together and to, to start and finish a race, but it's all the nuances that have to happen in between starting the training process to finishing and crossing that line. It's having the right people in your corner to help you say, okay, you should really be doing this as opposed to this. And I, I really feel like that's where we as coaches really look at the individual that's training versus just, okay, it's time for you to do this because you're on this week of this plan and you just have to do it. 
Do you get involved with you know, cross training? Do you recommend other activities besides, you know, running and swimming and biking? Yes, I do. That's the other half of that's the <laughs> primary job that I have. That's, so that's the continuum performance. Yes. You know, I'm a really big believer in moving weight, moving heavy weight. You don't have to do it a lot, but you do need to do it enough to know that your body is going to be strong. It is going to be stable. It's going to be well-balanced. And, you know, there's that other, that other component that's called recovery and not enough people take advantage or even acknowledge it from taking a day away from running is great, but, you know, trying to allow the body to heal and to, you know, ultimately allow it to put itself into a better position for the next run or the next workout or the next week that's coming. So I do teach a class here where we specialize in, in doing all that. Almost all the classes that I teach are kind of specialized towards some piece of an endurance athletes program. Um, I do do personals with a lot of my athletes and I know that they're not always able to make it into the building. So being able to coordinate something where they do something at home is also highly encouraged. Do you work with athletes on you know, core strengthening and? Oh, yes. Core strengthening. We have a little thing that we like to call butts and toes. Butts and toes. Butts and toes. I know that sounds really weird, <laughs> <laughs> but but your butt is hugely important to being a successful athlete, a successful runner, and having strong, stable, mobile feet are also as important. So we do a lot of exercises that will engage the glutes work on mobilizing the feet, but strengthening the intrinsic muscles of the foot itself, i.e. the big toe. And um, that always is going to come into play is keeping the core tight and engaged as well. So yeah, we do a lot of core work, but we don't do a lot of traditional stuff where you're, you're just doing crunches or you're doing planks. I like to make it way more fun. And she likes to make it way more painful. Maybe. Maybe it's fun afterwards <laughs> and not during. <laughs> <laughs> So it's individualized training, right? It's not group training, really, right? Nope. I mean, we can certainly do that. And, you know, the goal is for Kat to be able to start um, within the next couple months to be able to start program putting programming together. That would be maybe a little bit more, I'll say, I don't want to say generic because that's not the right word, but something that will gear them towards a specific race. But we right now are work is working on just individualized training. They all might have the same race date, but what one person does in one day can be very different what, than what another person does. I saw on your website that you have for runners a 12-week individual coaching package. Yep. So, so what, uh, what could runners expect if they signed up for, say, a 12-week package? At first, we do kind of like a one-on-one -on -one session just to kind of figure out goals, where you are, what you've been doing, what you haven't been doing, race specifications, and all that kind of stuff, just so we have a place to start. Uh, training wise. And then ideally we're looking at an endurance athlete. So 12 weeks is kind of the minimum. It's likely going to be longer, but it gives us time to kind of put a base plan together for what you want to run, how we're going to get you there based on what you've been doing. So is it scheduled such that at the end of the 12 week, then the, the person would be ready to run a marathon, for example? I don't want to say I would guarantee in 12 marathon. weeks that you run a marathon. I mean, you'd have to be super advanced for that. Yes. But well, marathon training plans, right? You look online, there's what, 14 weeks, you know, 16 are, weeks. I, just, I mean, yeah. if somebody and if somebody has a base of, say, 10 miles, I think 12 weeks uh, is probably not unreasonable. 
Yeah, if that's where you're coming in from, I don't think it's unreasonable. But I think that the 12 weeks is kind of like our our starting place as a commitment between me as a coach and you as an athlete so that we're both putting in the time that is effective for each other. Great. You could theoretically come in that way. A lot of my athletes are not beginner runners, but they're beginner marathoners. So that 12 weeks is kind of expanded beyond that. And we're working more closer to the 16 to 20 week plan to get them ready for fall marathons. And kudos to them for acknowledging that they need our assistance and, you know, they could totally just grab a generic plan and follow and run six on this day and four on that way. And my long run here, and I'm increased by two miles, you know, every week and follow a certain percentage of increase each week. But I think that they've all potentially done that in some way, shape or form and not had the success that they've wanted and known that it's going to take a little bit longer and that it's going to need to be a lot more specified. So now, and you also, Sarah, offer triathletes 20-week packages? Yeah, 20 20 to 24. 20 is kind of like 18 to 20 is the bare minimum to really get somebody rocking and rolling for an Ironman. And that means that they're going to have to be coming in with, with a base of training. But we can certainly work within all of that and be able to put them through the right course of training, the the phases that we're going to need, just make sure one, that they have a solid base and, and, or build them into one and then get into some more race specific style training sessions. Ironman triathlon requires three different disciplines to be worked on and to balance and juggle all of those and to be able to do one right after another does require some specialized training towards the middle of their training period with us and much more towards the end of it when we're really trying to dial things in towards race specificity. Also on your website, I saw that your members participate in endurance events periodically. Yeah. I mean, they're racing throughout the weeks that we have them. Like we might have a set goal race on their calendar, but we're always trying to do some sub races beneath that to be able to try to gauge where training is going. There's no way to fully mimic a race day without actually doing one. So um, we do like to try to to get them into one or two events. Is it hard to find triathlons? I mean, there's a a lot of races, but I don't know if there's necessarily. Not really. No, Mm -hmm. not, not now. I mean, I think that now that the world's opened up, there are more races than, (laughs) than, I mean, there's, there's one virtually almost every weekend. Just mm-hmm. depends on how far you want to go. I think the other thing too that's really unique to what we do is we deliver all of our training through the online platform Training Peaks, which allows us to give an athlete very specific, detailed training sessions, workout prescriptions on the daily, on the weekly, and then uh, projecting out monthly. We really only will do maybe one to two weeks in advance. I personally choose to do it that way because it gives us a better indication of how training is going. We can see levels of fatigue. We can make some really quick adjustments if they're not responding to training, if they're just not hitting the targets that we've wanted them to, as opposed to having planned out an entire 12 or 20 week program and then being like, well, that didn't work. So now I got to go back and change it. Sure. Adapt every couple of weeks. Yeah. We've always lay out a bigger game plan, literally almost on paper. I have giant post-it notes tacked around my living room, but (laughs) oh yeah, the big ones, like the poster size ones, they're fantastic. (laughs) 
you know, I think that just speaks to how individualized their training is going to be. Someone's interested in 18 Maple. How do they sign up? Well, they can email me at SK, as in my initials, at, you ready for this one? Yeah. Continuumperformancecenter.com. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So before we get into your individual activities, uh, was there anything else you want to say about 18 Maple? I think it's a young brand, but I think that the care and the time that we put into all of our athletes, nobody's going to ever see the behind the scenes and how much time and energy we put into each one of our athletes and how much we really do care. And I think that that's sometimes what's missed when it comes to the, the world of virtual coaching. But when I tell you, I am literally the last one to get programmed. It is because I have spent pretty much an entire weekend thinking about how to plan for this person's life and this person's vacation and this person's crazy schedule. Because of course, life has a thousand and one curves and no one person's life is the same or their abilities. And then trying to figure out a way to make this one over here next to me faster and faster and faster. She's already pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I know, but she never gets tired. Anyway, while it is a young brand and there are only two of us coaching, I think the heart and soul that goes into our programming and our athletes speaks is, is much larger than, you know, the size of our coaching staff. Yeah, so prior to the pandemic, you had a running team, 18 Maple. I think some of your members ran as a group and you ran the um, New England 10 Miler series. Oh yeah, that was fun. That's, I mean, honestly, that's just friends. We're all just, Hey, we're going here. You want to come? Let's join. We're making a team. Let's go. We didn't necessarily run as a club. We just ran as a, a bunch of people that they believe in 18 Maple, the brand. They want to support me. They want to support Kat as coaches. And, you know, at some point we're going to want to take over the world, but you know, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> That's right. the long ball. Right. That's long goal right. is yeah. taking over the endurance world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so when you guys ran in 2019, you ran the Portland 10 miler. Yep. And Kat won that event, right? You were the first female finisher. You had a time of uh, one hour and one minute. <laughs> that's about a six minute pace. So that's, that's certainly incredible. So what, what does it feel like to you, you enter a race and then You've won. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just break. I'm going to totally butt in here. There is a, there's a little saying that goes around here that says cat <laughs> <"Kat> wins. <laughs> she doesn't win all the time, but she does win a lot and it becomes quite competitive around here. So <laughs> when she toes a line, she's going to go for it. Yeah. No, uh, I've, I've actually run on a couple of races that the cat has run and then she's won. We, we ran, um, if, if we remember a couple of years ago, I, I think it was 2018 um, Steel Rail half marathon. I saw you there and uh, you won that one. And then just uh, a- <laughs> if you ask my husband or any of my good friends, the name of the game is Cat Wins, mostly because I have an uncanny ability to turn anything possible into a competition no she matter does. how big or small. Um, so in the game of life, I like to think that <laughs> I win. Uh, as far as racing goes, I don't know. I mean, the goal is to always win and try as hard as possible. I don't ever expect that to be the case. I don't get to a starting line and think I'm going to win no matter what. But you must think a little bit, even someone like me, I think sometimes, oh, I can win my age group. And depending on the race, you know, you get a little competitive. And uh... I think there's always the possibility, but I don't, 
I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm under the assumption that I'm going to beat everyone because I know that there are people that are better than me and not every day is my day, but I'm going to try really, really hard to win. <laughs> I think too is cat works exceptionally hard. So I think to be able to, to step to a starting line with a level of confidence to know how much work you have put in, it could be your day. And I think that's where she toes line, but the level of humbleness that she carries to the starting line as well is exceptional. It's never going to be something that she's going to, to brag about. She will certainly celebrate when she does and when she wins at anything from bowling to... <laughs> oh, bowling. <laughs> I'm a bowler. What's your average? Yeah. Well, guess what? She's a ringer, so <laughs> she's on my team, okay? Um, <laughs> but I just think that there is this level of expectation that sometimes people have for her to win. And it's really hard to take that pressure to the starting line every time and knowing that she's just going to do her best and whatever that may be is, is ultimately what she could give that day. So it certainly is. It's the running joke that cat wins, but again, unless you're up super early driving the dunks to get yourself a coffee you're not seeing all the, the hard work that she actually puts in and the miles that she runs by herself. So I think that it's, it's super important to, to acknowledge that she has this really crazy ability to run fast and far, but it, it comes with a lot, a lot of hard work. No, I'm sure that's true. I, I saw Kat right, right at the starting line of the NICU race back about a month or so ago in Wilbraham. <laughs> uh, you're right though, how Kat, you know, you, you carry yourself very well. Thank you. You're humble and it's really admirable. Thank you. Let's talk about marathons. How many marathons have you run? I have done two. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> He's um, like a baby in the running world. I am. I did a Marine Corps in 2018. Right. Uh, and then I ran the Clarence DeMar Marathon in New Hampshire in 2019. So I, I also ran the Marine Corps Marathon back in, I think it was 2015. And what I remember about that race, it was a great event, by the way, but one of the things I remember is right, right at the very end, right? Did, did you know about the hill ahead of time at the, at the very end? Um, I have to admit that I do a really bad job of scoping out race courses beforehand, she does. which as a coach is not something I recommend. So please do as I say, not as I do. So I didn't. I knew there was two hills, the one at the start of the race that everyone called a hill that I did not think was any sort of hill. And then that tiny little hill at the end that felt like it was a thousand feet high. The last point two miles. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rough little bump in the road. <laughs> yeah. So in the Clarence DeMar marathon, so you, your time was uh, two hours forty seven minutes, well under your qualifying time for Boston. Did you register for Boston this year? I am in. You're in. Good. <laughs> this has been my trip to try to get to the start line in Boston has been a lot because <laughs> I qualified in 2018, but with the time window got in for 2020 and then 2020 was canceled and then canceled again. And then this past April was canceled. So this October, I will finally get to a Boston start line. That's awesome. By the way, I'm, I'm running it all. Awesome. All right. We'll see you there, Tim. Yeah, thanks. In my case, it helps to be old. <laughs> I'm in the 65 to 69 age group. I qualified back in, in Philadelphia Marathon in, in 2019. Plus, I think you could also qualify for next April's Boston as well. 
Yep. So the way the window works this year, my clearance tomorrow time will work for entering for next April also. So I I get to double dip a little bit. Awesome. I know you've running a lot of half marathons as well. A couple of weeks ago, I had I had a guest, Meredith Maslowski, and she's run 84 half marathons. She has a goal to run 100. And um, I was just curious, uh, how many halves have you done? A handful. I'd say less than 10. <laughs> yeah. um, like she's Sarah got a said, long ways to go. Like Sarah yeah. said, I'm a, I'm a baby in the running world. <laughs> I mean, Tim, um, she literally ran her first half in 2017. Yeah. So I've run a handful. I'd say less than 10. That distance is a little easier to kind of squeeze in your schedule. So you probably haven't run enough different distances to say which one is your favorite. I would call the 10 mile my favorite. (laughs) Actually, that's right where I get in a half marathon that I'm ready to be done with the race. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of the perfect distance. It's just long enough that you have to run hard, but you're not killing yourself like in a 5k, but uh, Mm -hmm. also just long enough that you don't have to run forever. Right. <laughs> so I would definitely give the 10 mile distance. That would be my favorite. So I saw somewhere online that you enjoy donuts. <laughs> enjoy would be an understatement. Does she enjoy donuts <laughs> or does she? What's your favorite donut place? The Holy Donut in Portland. Tim, you're going to need another podcast for yeah. this. Okay. Oh. <laughs> we could have an entire donut podcast. Donuts and beer. We could just have a whole separate podcast. Uh, we, when we did the Portland 10 miler, we went to the Holy Donut. That was actually the priority before the race. Was, it was. Yeah. Was to wake up and get donuts before the race. And I have still not forgiven my husband for sharing my donuts. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite kind of donut? I like a cake donut. Ever had Mrs. Murphy's donuts in Southwick? Oh, have I? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love mind, those, those are the best, I believe, in, in Western Mass. I mean, I'll eat a donut no matter where it comes from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I try to plan. I don't plan my race around what donuts are available, but I do make it a point that wherever the race is, we should try to find somewhere that has donuts. I grew up in Saugus, uh, which is right outside of Boston. And, and Saugus has uh, Cane's Donuts, and, and they were just awesome. So if you're ever up in that area, you got to check out Kane's Donut. It's on the list. I've got a running list of, of places we need donuts from, so I'll make sure to add that. Now, what about beer? Uh, That's more my speed, Tim. I'm the beer drinker. You an uh, IPA uh, fan or just? Oh, yeah. Well, I could pretty much walk to Iron Duke in Ludlow, <laughs> so we spend a lot of time there. But I enjoy um, an adult beverage from pretty much anywhere. So if you sign up for the Fort Hill Half Marathon in East Hampton, oh, the, yep, yep. You go to Fort Hill Brewery, that's uh, we like going oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> we're familiar with that one. You won that one? I was second. Oh, you were second. second. Yeah. My bad. Cat does not win. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sarah's the beer drinker. I mean, I don't think, I think a beer is probably my favorite time to drink it is after a race if I'm going to drink one, but it's not my favorite, but I won't turn one down. <laughs> right. And I'll eat any donut pretty much <laughs> that you put in front of me. Yeah. Must be something with runners. Runners like beer and, and donuts. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still conspiring as to how to do a donut based race. Maybe that we'll do something in the fall. That would be great. Yeah. We should do that. We're then. gonna have a donut. Run. We're gonna have a donut. A donut run. Donut run. Yeah, good. All the details yet? Yeah, we don't. We don't date, but but it might be a maple glazed donut. Yeah, th- that would be a good theme. Yeah, I think that would be popular. <laughs> I'll sign up. Excellent. Okay. So, so Kat, I believe you were on Team Noon. Yes. Which they, they make electrolyte sport tablets. They do, yep. 
is, is that a fuel that you use before a race besides donuts? I, do like noon. <laughs> I usually save my donuts for post-race. Um, I do like noon. I um, have recently been turned on to Ultima courtesy of Sarah Kelly. And Ultima is another electrolyte drink that I really enjoy. And Tailwind is actually what I've been using a lot of for, for my long runs and any combination of the three. So uh, Sarah, you mentioned earlier that you had a runner who ran in the Yukon Health uh, Half Marathon and, and Kat, you yeah. ran in that also. Do you have any other events on the horizon? Other, well, you get Boston, of course. Not right now. I'm trying to figure out the fall race calendar. I'm going to try to squeeze in a half or two somewhere. I also have to take a trip to Chattanooga in September to watch someone do their Ironman. Based on her race and what I'm going to fit in, we're hoping that we were signed up for the Eastern States. Eastern States, Eastern yeah. States um, yeah. A friend of mine, he loves that event. I've never done it. We, neither have we. Neither have we. <laughs> <laughs> we Even though we signed up to do it. We were signed up uh, for Boston for last year to do before Boston, and it got canceled. So we're waiting for an update on that. So ideally, depending on the time frame for that, I'll get to do that. And then Boston's the big one. Yeah, right. So, yeah, the Eastern States, that's a popular pre-run for Boston, right? I think yeah. it's three yeah. weeks before Boston. Yep. Have they had any conversation about that on, on social? No update yet. So were you always a fast one? I guess in high school, you uh, you played soccer, right? Um, I played soccer, I played basketball, and I ran track in high school. My daughter, Lizzie, she um, she played soccer for Hampshire Regional, and she's about the same age as you. I was just wondering if you guys ever played against each other. What? Uh, so I went to Central. Central? You probably so, did yeah, then. Yeah, we must have played each must other. must have, because no, Hampshire sure. played Central. I can remember going to Central for games. Yeah. yeah, I think we played each other in soccer, not in basketball. And then in college, I played soccer and ran indoor and outdoor track. And you played at Fitchburg State, right? Yep. So now that you'll be training for Boston, how many miles a week are you logging? Right now, close. 65 to 70. Yeah, 65 to 70, says my coach. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite place to go? You want to just go out for a run somewhere? I have to admit I'm really boring. I run the same loop or the same portion of a loop almost every day. If I have a workout, I usually run the same loop. If I have a long run, I have a way. She's also really bad at directions. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> if you give her a route, she's going to get lost. <laughs> it's true. The number of times that we ran, we were training for Boston last winter. And I think I nearly lost my voice and broke my <laughs> elbow trying to tell her to turn around as I'm pointing in the direction <laughs> she needs to go. Mind you, I'm a half mile to a mile behind her. Only because she's decided to run slow. Uh, it's, it's a good thing that I don't need to, to make routes for my athletes because <laughs> they would be bored. I would get them lost. But um, I, I am not very adventurous in my running routes. So Sarah, as her coach, other than running, uh, what other activities is she doing? Uh, she strength trains. So she goes three, two to three, sometimes four, depending on the day or the week. So she gets in, she kind of takes care of her own programming at this point. While she does have a MOBO board, which is my favorite piece of equipment to date for butts and toes, she somehow seems to leave it behind. So what's what's that? A mobile board? Mobo. M-O. Mobo board. It's fantastic. Every runner, every endurance athlete should have one. So could you just describe what a mobile board is? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) 
it's a circular disc. So it'd be something very similar. You might find at a PT clinic that has the ability to pivot and, and turn, but this one is cut specifically. So when you position your foot on the board, it allows you to put only your big toe down and it has a cutout for your toes two through five. So you can't actually scrunch up your toes to hold you stable. You have to engage your big toe. So you have to engage all the intrinsic muscles of your foot and that spirals up your chain through your, into your hips, into your glutes, hence butts, butts and toes. <laughs> so it's smaller than a BOSU. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I'm looking up because I can see our BOSUs that are here. It's, it's, um, no, it's like the size of a pizza. You know what? It's a really great product. They have a really great online library. Um, you can find all over social media and Jade Cherry, I believe that's the, the creator's name. Um, you know, really smart, brilliant guy. We have several of our runners using them now. They have a lot of love hate relationships, mostly hate. Emphasis on the hate. Um, but I love it. So that's all that matters. So does it help with your balance? Oh, yes. Yep. yep. So Sarah, let's talk about your uh, triathlon. So you um, just a few weeks ago, you participated in the White Mountains Half Ironman event. Yep. And you, you were the second overall female finisher and in, in first in your age group. Um, yep. So how long is each portion of that event? So it's a half distance. So it's a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride and a 13.1 mile run. Wow. So, and, and the running part, did you have to go up Cannon Mountain? Well, it felt <laughs> like it. Kind of? I would say a portion. I mean, of I it. didn't have to go up the trail, but I had to run up the hill to the base lodge. The run course was a five loop run course, which started at the parking lot for Echo Lake. And then it went downhill a lot to the bike path that I think it ends up by Echo Lake, but it starts down at the flume. It goes parallel with Route 93, right? Yeah, we, we circled down and out and we ran along the lake and circled back and the half distance course had to do that five times. And then when you finished your last lap, you had to run back up to transition and then up this really soft dirt path road that's probably mostly covered in snow, so nobody really cares about it, to a parking lot for the base lodge. And then from the base lodge, you had to run up another hill to pretty much where the ski lift is. So yes, wow. I ran up Cannon Mountain. So um, you went to Springfield College. I did, yeah. You played varsity field hockey. Yep. And you were first a second team All-American for three years, right? And, yep. And the team made the field hockey final four in, in 1999. We did. So what was that whole experience like? Exceptional. I cannot, I would have a really hard time putting into words what those four years meant to me. Playing with those, those women, they are, are still to this day great friends. I, I have a number of them that I, I reach out to um, and that we, we try to stay in touch as much as we can. I mean, right now we're, we, we started our athletic careers as, as team athletes and we have you know, found our way into the endurance world, which I, I've already mentioned, it can be a very selfish place to be sometimes because it's just you and the world has to revolve around your training schedule because you got to get your long run in. And, right. But, you know, when it comes to being a part of a team, there really is nothing like it um, to have, you know, in my case, a, a, a really strong group of women around me that support you, that encourage you, they push you. And 
to be able to make it to the final four that year and why we felt a little bit short of making it to the, to the championship game. It, it still is, it still can bring goosebumps. I, I hardly remember the games, but I remember the moments and we had a lot of really amazing moments and I had a really exceptional coach. I learned a lot from her. Well, you became a coach yourself. I did. So you were field hockey coach at Wenick, right? Uh, Western yep. U- U- New England University, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, for like 11, 12 years, right? 2002 to 2013. Yep. So what was that like? You must have learned a lot um, coaching um, you know, college athletes. I did. It wasn't the path that I thought I was going to take when I was entering grad school and then getting soon to my graduation and going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had spent my undergrad doing athletic training. My, my graduate school work was in strength and conditioning. There was a positioning open up, opening up at Western New England that kind of suited all of those things. And my advisor um, said, hey, why don't you just look into it? You know, one thing turns into another. And a year later, they were asking me to, to come on board as their full-time field hockey coach. So it was a truly memorable experience those 12 years I met um, a lot of really great young women I was very privileged to be able to coach a lot of them I think as a coach you always want to be able to to leave and be able to say well I was able to do this this and this and hindsight being able to look back and say okay well maybe being able to get this many wins or hit all these championships that becomes less and less important. And it's about what all those young women are doing now that you had a very small amount of time to have an impact on their world and on their lives. So I'd like to think that I had a a positive impact on their, their worlds. I'm sure you did. I'm sure it was very rewarding. It was, it really was. So right around that same time that you started coaching, you, you started competing in triathlons. I did. Well, it's funny. I'll go back to the, the day that we lost in the final four. After having shed a few tears, I looked at my mom and I said, what am I going to do now? I think I'll run a marathon. So uh, that's no, a normal, thought a normal process. thought process. <laughs> I've never done a race before. So actually that kind of spawned this whole endurance world of mine. And I ran Boston that year, the spring my spring semester, gosh, I'm going to tell you how old I am, of uh, 2000, I ran Boston with Griffin's Friends. Oh, I've run with Griffin's Friends also. Yeah, super great cause. And I'm, I was so lucky to be able to be a part of that and kind of caught the bug, the endurance bug from there. So how many marathons have you run? Maybe three. Three. Okay. Yeah, not a lot. Because but more I than cat. I win. Sarah wins. <laughs> <They> win. <laughs> um, so uh, that never happens, Tim. But I think that I got one of those books and I just ran too many miles and ended up getting hurt and tried to find an outlet. So I found triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did my very first triathlon on a mountain bike that I probably got in the eighth grade because, of course, I hadn't grown since then. So, yeah. Shameless plug. This is why you get a coach. This is why you get a coach. <laughs> yeah, coach right. <laughs> so you don't get hurt. <laughs> Right. So you participated in the uh, Cedar Summit Triathlon in 2015. You were you were the yep. You finished first there, so you you won that event. Um, I did. Yep. Could you talk about that? 
That was actually one of the coolest triathlons I've ever had an opportunity to do other than Ironman world championships. But that was a completely self-supported race. It starts in South Berwick, Maine. And from there you swim. I don't remember. I mean, almost two miles, not quite. And then you take your bike from there and you ride on whatever route you want to take to the base of Wildcat. Yeah. So you ride all the way up through the notch, but you have a Sherpa. So my brother was supposed to be my Sherpa, but he ended up breaking his wrist. So my boss, Jeff, and my brother followed me the entire way there. I had it all planned out at what mile and where I wanted to have them stop and what I, what bottles and what food I would want at that time. Yeah. I looked that up ahead of time. 92 miles. Yeah. 92 miles. Yeah. (laughs) And then from the base of wildcat, you run to the trailhead for Tuckerman's and you run slash crawl up (laughs) to the top of Mount Washington. You go to the summit then via the Tuckerman's ravine trail. So we did Tuckerman. We could not do Tuckerman's that year because it was closed. So we did Lion's Head. Lion's Head. Okay. I very shamefully have to admit that I grew up in New Hampshire and never, ever, ever had been to the top of Mount Washington until that day. (laughs) And that is the hardest finish line I have ever gotten to. (laughs) There's an easier path. Recently, there was the um, Mount Washington road race um, on the auto road. I don't know. Is that any easier? I don't know if it's easy. I shouldn't say that, actually. It's something I could have. I heard some stories about this year's race was Oh, the weather, the fog. Pretty brutal. And the winds. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but I got really lucky on that day, too. And it was absolutely beautiful. Like, I was only able to take a very quick moment, uh, a look around as I am scrambling up and over rocks. Because, of course, I'm racing. I can't not race. Well, had you done much um, trail but, running prior to that? No. No. <laughs> no, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Again, do as we say. Yeah, <laughs> do as, as we, we say, do. not as we do. I mean, I maybe I'd gone like on a five-mile five trail run. but. So have you done trail running since then at all? Or We have a friend who's gotten into the ultras, and occasionally I'll go out with her. This one is not allowed to. Oh. She'll break her ankles. But... I'll do a little bit. We did a bunch. I did a bunch last year when there was absolutely nothing to be training for. So I just went out and enjoyed time with friends. So, so yeah, but back to see the summit, it was, it was a doozy, but it was so much fun. And and how was the weather that day? Perfect. I, I could not, I'm almost afraid to even consider going back because I'll get completely fogged in. I had beautiful blue skies all the way up. And when I came out of the, uh, the visitor center, it was cloudy and rainy and gross. So when you train for a, a, a triathlon, you talked earlier about at least 20 weeks, it could be more. Do you have triathlon training plans just like uh, a marathon training plan would be? I'm familiar with the marathon yep. training plans, but I'm, I'm not familiar at all with the <laughs> yep. triathlons. We do a lot of hour and time-based training versus straight miles, but you, you certainly do keep an eye on the mileage, but it's, it's a lot about time, you know, anywhere between 15 to 20 hours a week of training. That's total volume, you know, trying to evenly, not evenly distribute that because, well, you got a lot of biking you got to get in. A lot of time, right? Biking is- Yeah, it's uh, a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. The longest ride that I'll probably go on will be five and a half to six hours. But in that time, I'll be well over a hundred miles 
wow. depending on the day and conditions and terrain, of course, mm-hmm. but anywhere between four to four and a half hours weekly, I'm sorry, on a weekend, just to, you know, really get comfortable in the saddle between 85 to 90 miles in a day and then follow that up with a run. So so how's your training going now for Chattanooga? I feel like it's going really well. Just came out of a pretty easy recovery week from the race two weekends ago, just to allow my body to recover. And then of course I went home for the fourth. So enjoyed some family time, but got a couple good workouts in. So I'm, I'm kind of itching to get going again. So I'm glad that the weather has turned a little bit nicer and uh, I'm going to get out and, and ride and run this weekend. Awesome. Sarah and Kat, so it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for um, sharing your experiences with me on the Let's Run podcast. Good luck, Sarah, in your upcoming um, triathlon in Tennessee. And Kat, Thank good you. luck to you on, on the Boston Marathon this October. Thank you. I hope to see you guys at, uh, at an event sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for this, Tim. This has been yeah, great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. A few weeks ago, Dr. Tara Futrell from Bay State Health Medical Practices was a guest on my podcast to discuss avoiding running injuries. Recently, an article in the New York Times provided the results of an Auburn University study on avoiding running injuries. If you want to look up this article, the title is To Avoid Running Injuries, Don't Shake Up Your Routine Too Much. The study found that by far the greatest contributor to injury risk was modifying an an established running schedule in multiple simultaneous ways, whether that meant increasing or reducing weekly mileage or intensity, moving to or from a treadmill, or joining or leaving a running group. The study found that runners who made eight or more alterations to their normal workouts, no matter how big or how small those changes were, greatly increased their likelihood of injury. The results do not insinuate that we should always try to avoid tweaking our running routines. Rather, focus on one thing at a time and thread in changes gradually. Now for a rundown of local running events. The local running club weeknight race series continues. On Monday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts a three-mile cross-country race at Stanley Park in Westfield. On Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the 5K cross-country race at the Northampton Community Gardens takes place. Also on Tuesday evenings, the Child's Trail Races for Children 15 and Under will take place at 6.30 p.m. at Van Horn Park in Springfield. On Wednesday evenings, the Greater Springfield Harriers host their Summer Sizzler Races at Forest Park. The run on Wednesday, July 15th, will be on the 8K on-road route. And on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts 5K races at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. Also on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Northfield Summer Road Race Series takes place. Now, here's a quick rundown of all events in Hamden, Hampshire, Franklin, and Berkshire counties between now and the end of September. On Sunday, July 25th, the Knights of Columbus Scholarship 5K will be run at the Sewell Road School in Wilbraham. Also on Sunday, July 25th, Nancy's run for the ACCRF will take place 
a four-mile race at Outlook Farm in West Hampton. The Greenfield Triathlon will take place on Sunday, August 1st. This event features both international and sprint tri courses. The Sweltering Summer Ultra takes place on Saturday, August 14th in Pittsfield. You can enter in either the eight-hour run or the 5K run. On Sunday, August 15th, the Mount Greylock Trail Races take place in Adams. Distances include 13.5 miles and 3 miles. The Frozen Yogurt 5K is a virtual event that can be run anytime between August 15th and August 22nd. This event sports the Kandera Center, whose mission is to promote the well-being of Hispanic, African-American, and other culturally diverse populations through innovative, culturally competent behavioral health, prevention, and education services. And on Saturday, August 21st, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts the 40th annual Montague Mug Race. On Sunday, August 22nd, the fifth annual race to end child abuse takes place in Greenfield. The Dalton Community Recreation Association May Day races are now scheduled to take place on Sunday, August 29th. Distances include a 10K, a 5K, and a two-mile run. The New England Green River Marathon takes place on Sunday, August 29th. This race is already sold out. The Hoyt 5K Run and Walk will take place on Sunday, August 29th in Longmeadow. The Berkshire Running Center hosts the 46th Mount Greylock 8-mile road race on Sunday, September 5th. The Westfield 5K, 10K, and Half Marathon will take place on Saturday, September 11th at the Boys and Girls Club in Westfield. Mike Sheldon is the race director for this event, which raises money for the Boys and Girls Club of Westfield. And Mike will be my featured guest on an upcoming Let's Run podcast. On Sunday, September 12th, the Black Birch Vineyard 10-mile race will take place in North Hatfield. This race is hosted by Impact Racing Events, who are led by Grant Ritter and Justin Colleen. Grant Ritter will be my featured guest on next week's podcast. From Friday, September 10th to Sunday, the 12th, the Notchview Ultra Trail Runs will take place in Windsor, Mass. You can run for 48, 24, 12, 6, or 3 hours. Wow. On Saturday, September 18th, the Don Maynard Memorial 5-Mile Race will take place in Greenfield. The Walter Childs Race of Champions, otherwise known as the Holyoke Marathon, is tentatively scheduled to take place on Sunday, September 19th. Also on the Harriers website, there's a link for anyone who would like to apply to run for Team Hoyt at the 2021 Boston Marathon. On Sunday, September 26th, the Summit Run 5K, a race to the summit of Mount Holyoke in Hadley, will take place. And as always, check the Hereford Marathon Foundation website for a listing of all their upcoming events. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running!